Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. We wrap up the 2019 movie year. The Oscars are coming up on Sunday and it's the busiest Oscar season I've had to date. Uh, it's funny, two years ago, I was very much out on paying attention to the Oscars, not really interested in paying attention to the Oscars, and yet this is the second year in a row that I have been voting with the Georgia Film Critics Association, and that was that's always been a lot of fun. I've gotten... Film. I've gotten screeners from studios and uh, been able to attend some screenings this year, and that was a big change. It really helped me in terms of getting these watched before the uh, Oscars, which are coming a bit sooner than they usually do. Uh, and with my schedule being extremely busy over the holiday season, having the screeners available uh, have been was really helpful in terms of getting to movies that I couldn't necessarily get into get to theaters for, which included Jojo Rabbit, which include Harriet, the Netflix movies, Missing Link, uh, help help getting to those, uh, whichever what other ones here. Trying to think, Marriage Story, but I mean that's on Netflix. Little Women, I saw on. Screener, Just Mercy, I saw on Screener, even though it ended up not getting nominated, and so many others. And so it was really helpful to be able to watch those in the comfort of my own home on my own time as we got closer and closer to this uh, quicker Oscar uh, campaign. And uh, I just watched the last two films that are nominated for Oscars that I'm going to be able to get to before the awards ceremony. Overall, I have watched all but six of the nominees. I have not watched two of the foreign international feature films. I have not watched three of the documentary short subjects, unfortunately, and I have not seen Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which is nominated for the makeup and hairstyling. Everything else, though, I did get a chance to see because of screeners, because of availability, and just in general. And it was really, it's really great to be able to uh, focus in, on these and be able to say, yes, I've seen at least two or three nominees from all of these uh, categories. So that's really great. We're going to start out with Best International Feature Film. This is the first time it's been titled that, as opposed to Foreign Film. And uh, this this is basically all Bong Joon-ho's uh, Parasite. As much as I adore uh, Elmo Ovar's Pain and Glory and would like to see it get nom- see it win something, this, this is going to be Parasite, and deservingly so. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, we're going to have more on Parasite as the podcast goes on, though. For live-action short film, I just got a chance to watch these last week because of screeners uh, for the theatrical release of the live-action MA shorts. Um, I think my personal choice, there's there are a couple really 
great ones that I loved in here. Uh, a Sister and The Neighbor's Window I thought were excellent. Both of them thought were uh, terrific shorts. I would say probably Brotherhood might be the the one that wins, although I can see Nefta Football Club wing as well. My personal choice is probably a sister, uh, but a na- the neighbor's window is not far from that. For the MH short film, this is another uh, really great category. This is probably the best of the uh, short categories. I would say my favorite one was, without doubt, Kit Bull. It's it's a painful one to watch, but it's a really strong animated short film. Uh, it's about a cat and a pit bull who become friends. and But daughter, memorable, sister, and hair love are all really great nominees here, too. Uh, if you end up going to see Jumanji... Uh, this weekend, I believe uh, Hair Love is still going to be on those prints, so it's worth checking out. Animated feature film, this is going to kill me because as much as I would love to see How Trainer Dragon The Hidden World win, as none of that series has won an Oscar, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Right now, it's looking like Klaus, uh, which is one of the two Netflix nominees. The other one, which I prefer I Lost My Body. Uh, Both are really entertaining, insightful uh, animated features. Toy Story 4 may win. I can see Missing Link sneaking in there, but uh, the recent momentum seems to be with Klaus. But I would love to see I Lost My Body or How Train Your Dragon Hidden World get get the win as well. Uh, documentary short subject. Unfortunately, there are only two of these that I have seen. Uh, Walk, Run, Cha-Cha and Life Overtakes Me. I am really grateful to have seen Life Overtakes Me, though, because it is one of the best in a great year for documentary features. It Documentaries, it's one of the best that I've seen. Uh, it It really affected me emotionally a great deal, and I hope it wins. It's about um, refugee children in Sweden whose personal traumas on the trip to becoming uh, refugees in Sweden has led them to basically shut down from life. And it's a, it's a condition that has uh, taken hold of a lot of refugee children. It's really a powerful documentary on that. Best documentary feature, this this is honestly a bit of a disappointing one. I've seen four of the five nominees. I did not see The Cave. They're really good nominees, with American Factory probably being my favorite and probably the favorite to win best, uh, the Oscar, but two of the best ones of the year, and there were a lot of great ones that I saw this year, uh, namely Apollo 11, and the biggest little little farm are much better and really stand out in terms of documentaries compared to the ones that are nominated. But American Factory will win, and I think deservingly so. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what does win. I can see For Sama winning as well, though. For visual effects, uh, we're going to get into the 
uh, ones that you've probably seen at least a few of these for. We've got 1917, we've got Star Wars, The Lion King, Avengers Endgame, and The Irishman. While I would almost say 1917 is the front runner, it honestly would not surprise me to see the Irishman win this, but ultimately I kind of think Avengers Endgame is going to be the win here. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, A, to honor the culmination of the MCU as we've known it, but and that is the only nomination the film has. But the Irishman with the uh, de-aging technology, it's not the best version of that technology, but if that's probably the one place where the Irishman could surprise, I think, other than uh, maybe best film editing, but I'll get to that one. Continuing on in the categories, we come to the sound categories. Uh, sound mixing is for the entire mix. Sound editing is primarily for the sound design uh, and sound effects. Uh, just to put that out there right away, because a lot of people are still confused about that. Uh, we're going to start out with sound editing, which has 1917 Ford v. Ferrari, Joker Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. If I would be very surprised if this isn't 1917 or Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, I would say more likely Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, both of them are extremely uh, strong technical movies, but I kind of have a feeling the uh, racing scenes would put uh, James Mangold's film out in front with probably 1917 being the likely winner in the overall sound mixing over Ad Astra, which is a really great choice, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're going to skip over the music categories for a bit because I have a lot to say on those. We go to Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling. As I mentioned earlier, the only one I haven't seen here is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, uh, we have 1917 Bombshell, Joker, or Judy. When I did my patron-exclusive uh, predictions for this, I kind of thought Joker might take it, but having both seen, seen both Judy and Bombshell, I kind of think both of them could take, either one of them could take it. I'm kind of leaning toward, uh, I'm kind of leaning towards Judy in the way that, uh, they make up Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland. Uh, Bombshell would be a decent nominee, though. But with 11 nominations, I do have a feeling that Joker could possibly win that one as well. Best Achievement in Costume Design, uh, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Lil Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Irishman. If, if you asked me a month ago, I would have said Little Women, if you ask me now, based on everything we've seen as far as BAFTAs, the precursor awards, it looks like it's going to be Jojo Rabbit, which, deservingly so. It's very good costume designing. Same with uh, Little Women. Both of them are terrific. Uh, Jojo Rabbit is deserving here. It would be a shame to see Little Women not win something, uh, which it looks like it could be, but the Irishman is kind of in the same fate, so... Uh, that's, that's another one. 
for uh, Jojo Rabbit, which grand is a deserving choice? For achievement and production design, you have 1917 Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. These are all really fantastic choices. Uh, if I had my choice, I would pick Parasite. I think the house is just extraordinary location. It's an extraordinary set. It's one of the best sets I think I've seen in recent memory when it comes to films. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would love to see it win that. Um, Jojo Rabbit or 1917 are probably going to be the choice. I would say maybe Jojo Rabbit more uh, just because that seems to have some momentum recently. For Best Achievement in Film Editing, you have Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, Parasite, The Irishman, and Jojo Rabbit. I think this is kind of between Ford v. Ferrari and The Irishman. I don't really think the other three have much of a chance here. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari is probably going to be the choice, uh, but Thelma Schoonmaker, the longtime editor for Martin Scorsese, certainly would deserve it for The Irishman, I think. Achievement in cinematography, uh, at this point, if it's not Roger Deakins for 1917, I think it would be a uh, startling upset. That said, I would love to see The Lighthouse get it because it, The Lighthouse was one of my favorite technical accomplishments of 2019, and I would love to see it get a win for something. So at this point, we come up to the music categories. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm deeply excited about the original score category, and I'm deeply uh, ambivalent about the original song category. I do think original song is going to be Rocket Man, Elton John, Bernie Taupin for I'm Gonna Love Me Again. I think that's going to be the win. Harriet, I could see that winning. I really don't see any of the other ones for Breakthrough, for Frozen 2, or Toy Story 4 winning. I think it's between Rocket Man and Harriet, and I think even that's probably giving the song for Harriet too much cred. I think Rocket Man's gonna be the clear choice there. Uh, for original score, as I mentioned in my 2019 scores uh, discussion for patrons, this is actually a really strong year for film music, and even if four of these are not necessarily in my top five. Uh, they're all very, very good pieces of film music. Uh, Thomas Newman's my top choice. It's time. He hasn't gotten a win yet. I really want to see him get, get a win. It's probably going to be Hildur uh, Gunadotir for uh, Joker, who did a wonderful job on the movie for the score. I really love the score for it. I uh, Honestly, I prefer 1917, but Joker Wing, that is not going to be a surprise at this point, and it's going to be deserving, too. So, for Best Adapted Screenplay, this was basically going to be, for a long time, it felt like this was going to be Jojo Rabbit versus Little Women, with Little Women kind of out in front, but uh, Taika Waititi has won... Uh, the Writers Guild, as well as BAFTA for it, for his script for Jojo Rabbit. So it looks like, unfortunately, Greta Gerwig is not going to win for 
for adaptation for Little Women. My personal choice is The Irishman. I think The Two Popes is a really good choice for this category. I think Joker is... I think the script is the thing that is most problematic about the movie. Uh, but it looks like Jojo Rabbit is going to win over Little Women, which I would like to see Greg Gerwig win for that because I really like the choices she makes in adapting that book. But it's going to be Jojo Rabbit, which nothing nothing wrong with that. I, I'm looking forward to hearing Taika Waititi's speech. For original screenplay, you've got 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Again, before the precursor awards of BAFTA and the uh, Writers Guild, I felt like this was probably a, a either or between maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite, with maybe Marriage Story getting in there. Uh, at this point, it's going to be Parasite, and deservingly so. It's a wonderful film. Uh, it's it's, and while I really appreciated Tarantino's script the second time around, I uh, and think Bombach and Ryan Johnson would be excellent choices. I'm really excited that Parasite is gonna have another uh gonna have a screenplay Oscar as well. So we come to the acting categories, and uh, I finally have seen the rest of the acting nominees at this point after seeing Bombshell and Judy today, and I can firmly see that the if I had my supporting actress is weird because Laura Dern is going to win, and I'm grateful that she's finally going to win an Oscar. I just kind of wish it was more for her performance in Little Women, which I think is better than her performance in Marriage Story. Just based on personal preference, though, I would say my favor of these choices is Margot Robbie for Bombshell. But all five of these women, Florence Pugh for Little Women, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, and Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit are really wonderful uh, performances that I understand why the Academy, uh, it each one resonated with the Academy, even though, again, I think Little Women is a better Laura Dern performance than Marriage Story. And Margot Robbie, I completely get why she got the nod. I would love to see her win, but this is Laura Dern's, and I can't really argue with that. For for Best Supporting Actor, this is basically going to be Brad Pitt at this point uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and... I can't really argue because it's a great performance. It's it's one of my favorite performances of his, and he did a wonderful job. All due respect to Pacino, Anthony Hopkins, Joe Pesci, and Tom Hanks, all of whom have won before, all of whom are tremendous in their respective roles. Brad Pitt gave one of my favorite performances of 2019, and I I'm really excited to hear the speech that he gives on Oscar night. Uh, he's going to deserve this award. For Best Actress, um, The Lock is, at this point, Renee Zellweger for her performance as Judy Garland in Judy. Not sure if I completely agree with that choice. She's she's very good. She elevates the movie beyond a typical biopic. Uh, Charlize Theron, who I just saw today in Bombshell, was really good as Megyn Kelly. Uh... Cynthia 
Erivo for Harriet's very good performance. Saros Ronan is probably my second top choice for Little Women, with Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story being my top choice in this category. Uh, I I have no real objections to Renee Zellweger winning a second Oscar. I think she's deserved multiple ones for other performances over the years. So I can't really argue too much, but, you know, not necessarily my top choice. I would like to have seen either Johansson or Ronan win this year. For Best Actor, this is going to be Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Uh, not, again, not, <laughs> not even really his best performance. I think he is very good in the movie. I think he was better in her and the master, which he did get nominated for. Her, he did not, which I completely forgot about. This is another great category. Jonathan Price from The Two Popes, M. Driver for Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. After seeing Almodovar's film, Antonio Banderas was probably my top choice with M. Driver second. I... Absolute, there's a level of Banderas's performance in Pain and Glory that I hadn't seen of him in a good long while, and there's something about that performance that just stuck with me and resonated with me. I kind of needed to see that performance at the time, and I would love to see him win. It would be quite a pleasant surprise, but it's going to be Joaquin Phoenix, and he he is a tremendous actor, so I can't really argue too much. For Best Achievement in Directing, uh, the omissions in this category, uh, don't all they do is enhance, is they enhance the argument of how many great directing achievements there were this year. Uh, that there you could basically list do this category two or three times over and come up with really great cat great nominees each time. Uh, Bong John Ho, Martin Scorsese, and Sam Mendes are my top choices. Uh, they made three of the four best movies I saw this year. Uh, Tarantino did a great job in Hollywood. Todd Phillips was okay for Joker. Uh, this is going to be Sam Mendes. Uh, I would love to see either Tarantino or Scorsese win. I would adore seeing Bong John Ho win because that mean that would mean that maybe Parasite would uh, be sneaking in for Best Picture, but Sam Mendes is going to win his second Oscar after his first wing, his first one 20 years ago for American Beauty, and 1917 is a tremendous achievement, so I cannot really argue with that. And that leads us to Best Picture. We've got 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. I have issues with Joker being in here. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, it's, it drags the, the category down. It's not the worst best picture I've seen in recent years. I think that would probably be Green Book. But um, it's definitely the weak link of this one, in my opinion, even though it got the most nominations. I would adore this being Parasite. At this point, it's probably going to be 1917. Uh, no, you know, no shame either way. Uh, both of them are fantastic films. Both of them do what they want to do extremely well. 
And as you're going to see, both of them are on my top 10 list for this year. Uh, so that's it for the Oscars. Um, before we get to my 10 best films of 2019, I if you follow me on Letterboxd, uh, you probably know that I've got a list of these running. I've saw over 200 shorts and features that I consider 2019. Uh, so when I say my top 10 of the year, I mean top 10 is like these are the 10 best of the 25 best of the 40 best. There, there's a lot of really terrific films that came out this year. There really are ones that you're not going to see on my 10 best list are Avengers Endgame, Daughter, one of the MA short nominees, Them That Follow, which I saw at the Atlanta Film Festival and I thought was quite intriguing, 63 Up, A Purgatory Story, which was one I saw at the Dragon Con Film Festival, Kit Bull. Apollo 11, Griffin Animo, which is one of the best animated fe short films I saw this year. I saw that at the Atlanta Film Festival, and Life Overtakes Me. Those are all the uh, four-star A-plus movies that I saw this year that are not going to be on my top ten list. Other great films that aren't going to be on there are Marriage Story, Us, Always in Season, I Lost My Body, Weathering With You, By the Grace of God, Waves, Rocket Man, Uncut Gems, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ford v. Ferrari, Knives Out, uh, Midsommar, Dolomite is My Name, Captain Marvel, The Fourth Kingdom, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Blind by the Light, although that was my favorite movie of the year, and other ones like Aniara, which I, which is one of my favorite sci-fi movies on the year, year and Hulu, it's re I highly recommend it. And Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. And there are other ones that I just really loved. And uh, it's it. this was a plentiful year. This was a wonderful year as far as film. And if you look beyond the hype, if you look beyond the movies that got nominated for Oscars, you see a rich palette of films challenging films, entertaining films, insightful films to get lost in. And that was one of the things that seeing so many films this year opened my eyes in a way that it's been building, but not on this level. So that brings us to our 10 best films of the year. I've name-checked most of these movies uh, before, uh, in the Oscar discussion, but some of them I haven't. We start with number 10, which was one of my favorite documentaries of the year in The Biggest Little Farm, which is the story of a couple, John Chester and Molly Chester. Molly Chester I actually went to high school with. Uh, they built a, they created a farm in California that basically they they wanted to do it as naturally as possible, and they wanted to do this in a way where they didn't bring any is they didn't bring chemicals or unnatural things to the process of this farm evolving and uh, 
and running as possible. And it's about their struggles, their ups and downs, and how they've done it. And it's a really beautiful piece of cinema, of documentary storytelling. It's one of those movies that just really resonated with me. And in a year of really great documentaries, it was one of the best. So that is The Biggest Little Farm is my number 10. Number nine is Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. I did not expect this movie to land with me the way it did. It's about a an aging director who is wanting to get together with his star of his best-known film after 30 years of not speaking to him to uh, do a retrospective screening and question and answer. He's basically going through a midlife crisis and a crisis of spirit in his 60s. And he hasn't, uh, he's somebody who hasn't made movies in a while. And he's, he's struggling with the death of his mother. He's struggling with his health. And it's a story about how he gets back to that place where he's, he's ready to engage in life again. And Banderas is fantastic in this movie. He is really wonderful in this movie. It's such a great performance of him. Uh, it, it makes me excited to reconnect with Almodovar. It's been a while since I've seen one of his movies. And I look forward to getting to more of them. Uh, number nine is Pain and Glory. Number eight is Lulu Wang's The Farewell, which I saw at the Atlanta Film Festival. And I watched it again. Unfortunately, I missed it in theaters, but I did see it again in preparation to write a piece about it for In Their Own League, a blog about female filmmakers, female uh, <clears throat> actresses, and the importance of uh, diversity, diverse uh, filmmakers, and diverse voices in cinema. And I wrote about this for their list of the 50 best films of the decade. Uh, the catch was all 50 films were from female directors. And this was one of the ones that I wrote about. And it's it's a movie that deeply resonated with me when I saw it in, at the Atlanta Film Festival. It's a film that resonated even more when I saw it again in November to write about it. It's the story of a family in China... The grandmother, uh, Nai Nai, is diagnosed with terminal cancer, and they do not tell her. Uh, Billy, the uh, character played by Aquafina, whose Oscar omission was one of the most egregious this year, uh, she, she gave my favorite performance of the year, and she is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. And uh, her and Shizen Zhou, who played Nai Nai in this movie, are gave two of my favorite performances of the year. And it's a shame that this movie did not resonate with Oscar voters. It should have been all over the Oscars. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful piece. It's a beautiful film about grieving, about how we cope with grieving, about what responsibility we have when loved ones are suffering or maybe don't quite grasp the fact that they're suffering and what we take on in that in in that particular case 
and it's just a beautiful film. It's it's funny, it's entertaining, it's insightful about human nature, and it's honestly one of the films that means the most to me from this year. So number eight is The Farewell. Number seven is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are lighthouse keepers who are isolated, and their isolation, it's about psychological horror, and it's shot brilliantly in black and white. It's got amazing soundtrack, whether you're talking about the sound effects, the way the dialogue is, the sound effects, the soundtrack. It's just such a wonderful piece of psychological horror by Eggers, and that's that's one of the things that's so fascinating about him as a filmmaker. I really like The Witch. Uh, Lighthouse, I think, is a better film, and it's going to be really exciting to see where he goes as a filmmaker moving moving forward because of the fact that I'm excited to see how he and Ari Oster and Jordan Peele, uh, all of whom had second features this year, with us and Midsommar and now The Lighthouse, how all of them grow as filmmakers within this genre. It's really exciting to see. So number seven is The Lighthouse. Number six is my favorite documentary of the year. The best documentary of the year is Pamela Green's Be Natural, The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blanc, who is the first female filmmaker. She was making films early on when the Lumiere brothers and George Melies was making them. And she's been all but erased from cinema history. And Pamela Green's film is essentially her uh, bring her back to the forefront. And if you're a fan of cinema, if you're a fan of uh, the silent era, it's a really captivating documentary. And you see clips from her films, and it's absolutely delightful to see what she was doing at the time and how she was just as important, if not more so, to silent comedy as Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, and Harold Lloyd. And so Be Natural was number six. Number five is Willem Bosch's Afterlife, which is another movie I saw at the Atlanta Film Festival. It's about a young girl who dies one year to the day after her mother died. And she goes to the afterlife, and she sees her mother again, sees family members, and she has a choice. She finds that she has a choice to either stay in the afterlife with her loved ones or return to live her life the from the start of it and to go from there. And it's a fascinating story about life and death, about grief, about dealing with the loss of a loved one and the guilt that can sometimes take us over if we feel like we've failed that person in some way and maybe want to make it right. And Afterlife is a movie that I really identified with when I saw it at the Atlanta Film Festival. 
I mentioned it, and the filmmaker actually uh, hit me up in my DMs on Twitter after I mentioned it on that weekend, and it's it's still one of the best movies I saw this year. It's unfortunate that it hasn't been released yet. I hope I hope people get a chance to look at it because I think this is a movie like The Farewell. It deal they both deal with similar ideas, but in very different ways. And it's fascinating to see how it they each what they all both bring to the table. And there are great performances in it, there's great imagination in it. So number five is Afterlife. Number four is 1917, Sam Mendes' war film. Uh, Roger Deakins' cinematography, Thomas Newman's score, working with Sam Mendes to just tell this story of two soldiers trying to make it to the front line with an urgent message. And it is told in one continuous shot, and it is, it's just an enthralling experience. It's such a riveting adventure and such an immersive experience on the big screen. I highly recommend having it if you haven't seen it yet. It's still out in theaters. I highly recommend seeing it in theaters if you get a chance. It'll probably play fine at home, but it's a movie. It's a big screen movie, and I cannot recommend it enough. Number three is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. This is a franchise that means as much to me as any franchise has ever meant to me. I I I love the original film, although I didn't really fall in love with it until later when the second one came out. And then the third one came out and it just the circle was complete as far as the narrative and it really had an impact on me emotionally. And uh, How Trainer Dragon is one of the, that franchise is some of the most beautiful animation we've seen the past decade and some of the most emotional storytelling. And I, I think it's a franchise that's going to uh, sustain over the years, which not too many animated franchises really do. Number two is The Irishman, Martin Scorsese's epic for Netflix about Fred Sheeran and his relationship with organized crime, including Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino. This is a three-and-a-half-hour movie that does not feel like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. There are times it drags maybe a little bit, but the performances, the screenwriting by Steven Zellian, the direction by Martin Scorsese the way he brings all of these elements together through the cinematography, the music, the use of costumes, the use of editing, all of it is so precise. This is a master at the peak of his powers. And I don't think The Irishman is even his best movie of the past decade, but it's a movie that Scorsese did a tremendous job on, and it's it was deserving of the praise it got, I thought. Which brings us to number one, and if you haven't guessed by now, uh, it is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. And this movie flattened me when I saw it in theaters. It, it just absolutely floored me, and it's one of the most original pieces of storytelling 
it's dark comedy, it's thriller, it's suspense, it's horror movie, it's it's so many genres rolled into one as two families become interconnected and feed off of each other in ways that we see that are up front, in ways that we infer based on seeing them interact. And it is a masterpiece. It was one of the best films I saw this decade. And it's 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 a masterclass in storytelling. And I'm officially a Bong Hive member afterwards. I can't wait to revisit some of the films I have seen in the past, like The Host and Snowpiercer for review. I can't wait to see the movies of his I haven't seen. And it's... It, like El Moldavar, Bong Joon-ho is a filmmaker that is going to be one of the ones that I think I return to and appreciate even when they're making something that's unusual and original and thought-provoking because that's the only way they can make movies. And that's that's one of the reasons... That's the reason, among many others, that uh, Parasite is my number one film of the year. So that's it for me. That's uh, the 2019's movie year wrapped up, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I'll have more. I have the Women in Horror Film Festival at the end of the month. I have the Atlanta Film Festival in May. I have more coming on when it comes to podcasts. I've got some interesting discussions along the lines of similar to the type of thing that Phil Phil Faso and I talked about with regards to Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction. We got some more movies, more movie discussions along those lines. And I hope you enjoy. And I can't wait to share this year with you. Thank you very much. (laughs) 